The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We're having a drink that we've had before, but with new ingredients. Okay. So this is Carlos Sud 2. Yes. And the reason this is new is this is a rum Benedictine cocktail. So we know Benedictine's automatically I'm great. already a yes. But what <laughs> I'm really intrigued about why I want to have this one is because we have that Hawaiian amber rum. Yeah, it's so good. That it's epic. Yeah. And we know Benedictine, what it does, it picks up a great flavor. So it's going to go well. And then you add the Angostura bitters. So it's mm. one and a half shot of amber rum. A high-end rum is what they suggest. And then half an ounce of Benedictine and two shakes of Angostura and then stir till cold. Serve it with a lemon twist. Perfect. It's beautiful. It is a pretty drink. Oh, it smells lovely. It smells good. Ooh, nice twist. Oh, my God. That's just too good. That is way too good. Do you see how smooth it is? That that's rum is so, so good that it's actually the Benedictine is the one that's sharper than the rum. I mean, it's... It's just smooth and oh it's God. completely balanced and delicious. And it like, doesn't... Do you, I, don't, I know there's a lot of alcohol It doesn't taste I don't feel alcoholic. like ha oh, in right. the back of the throat. No, it's just but makes you want to drink more. that is all alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> It's what you call Moorish. You want to drink it's more of it. so Moorish. Yeah. Oh, my God. Really good. It's a beautiful drink. I forgot about this. Well, it's been so long. If you Since think there have been, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of drinks I've made. I know, but like this is one I'd put on the list of but, and go back to. But what might happen is this might come up on our list with high regard because of the Hawaiian rum used. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that there's ways you make certain, I think that's where I'm at now, where I'm starting to repeat drinks with yeah. different versions of alcohol yeah. to see if we can make it better. Well, this is better. <laughs> this is better. Yeah, this is good. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app.
Concerning Littleton, Chapter 17, mm-hmm. A Whole New Bag. And we didn't really have any ideas going to portend, like what? No. It's suggested, so we just were like, okay, well, Mako will tell us. And we were thinking maybe a, a whole new gig or a different relationship. or something. We just didn't know. The chapter begins with Anna and Christina heading to the movie theater and Aiden wanting to buy tickets on his phone and she not letting him do that, takes her phone away. Mm-hmm. And there's this little tug and pull between them and she's sort of imposing her dominance on him. So there's this whole experience of her expressing herself into her dominance that takes place through the first part of this mm-hmm. chapter. And they get to the theater and it's a retrospective by an artist that she's seen part of, wants to see the whole thing. And he's not that sort of into it, but she pulls him along and they go into the theater. It's got some avant-garde kind of snacks that they buy and they go and they sit down and he starts acting like there's a opportunity for a sexual experience with him. And she reaches down and grabs his his cock and he's thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And then she pinches him hard and tells him to watch the movie and be quiet. And then maybe later she'll deal with him. And so that's sort of the process. What happened along the way was she was being aggressive and outwardly expressing to whoever was in earshot that Aiden was in diapers, that he had his diaper bag, that you know, she might have to go to a changing room. And and he was getting, like, seriously embarrassed by this in a way that was almost overwhelming for him. But yet, when he was in the theater, he got immediately aroused by her having had that experience, which she later surmises at the end of the movie as, as they're leaving, that he liked that humiliation. And he sort of agrees. Yeah, I sort of like the humiliation. Okay, good. So... She determines that he has a paper due the next day, so she drops him off at home, and she heads home, and she parks down by her place, but not under the street light. She parks in the shady spot, and she goes into the house, and it's pretty dark, and she puts the bag down, but then all of a sudden, she's sort of accosted by an attacker, and she feels a hand around her throat, and she's thrown to the ground, and it turns out that the person who's attacking her is Nora. And there's this kind of there's this kind of like femdom moment where she's giving in to Nora who's forcing her to eat raisins against her will. So there's like a food play thing happening. And then she's gradually succumbing to Nora's desire to like punish her or hurt her. He doesn't she doesn't say exactly what that is, but the long and short of it is she's gonna spank her and she's going to eat her pussy. And so that's kind of the whole structure. And that just sort of ends up where she's willingly eating the raisins, hoping there aren't any more because she wants to get to the sex. And that's the chapter. Well, kind of an interesting chapter. I mean, there are a couple of fascinating little vignettes into S&M and BDSM in the first part where Aiden is clearly Christina submissive. And she's kind of in a mean way humiliating him in public. But she's into that and he's into that at a certain level. Well, we discovered that he's into it yeah. because she asks him, did you like that? And he goes, well, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so he's is that consent after? 
or? I think, you know, it's a good question around consent. I don't know if they've ever discussed humiliation. You know, because this is typical of just relationships, not just kink relationships, but people engage in things and begin on a path with one another and make some inferences or assumptions. And then a lot of times after the fact, someone says, was that okay for you? Yes. But that's an interesting thing to say if there was no real consent up front. Right. Because it's a quandary. Because, like, we have agreements. So when we talk post-scene, everything's in context of our agreements. Yes. Right? Yes. So we have consent. Yes. And we're debriefing because it helps make our sex better, our scenes better and everything, right? But yes. this instance is, okay, I already did this to you because I own you or I'm in charge of you. Which, let's be clear, I know Mako doesn't believe this either. Just because you're a dominant doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to a submissive. No, it just, no. There's agreements, right? Yeah. So again, this gets back to that consent conversation that, you know, Christina's taking on the dominant role and choosing to humiliate Aiden because she's sadistic and she gets off on that. And I get that that's great. That's what she gets off on. But did she get consent prior? Right. And I know people go, oh, doom and gloom. You talk about it prior. This is the whole you know, the vanilla world laments on this all the time. Like, oh, do we have to schedule a day to have sex? You know, but this is the problem. But that's not what you're, you're actually not don't... talking about. That, though. You're not talking about scheduling a day to have sex. Well, well, what you're talking about is actually what frees you to have sex unabashedly. You're talking about getting consent in advance. Well, I haven't finished. So what yeah. I'm saying is people make dates to have sex and then they talk about what they're going to do or what. And people say, well, that ruins it for the time. It should just come freely and everything. But I disagree after being in a non-consensual abusive relationship and now being in a consensual relationship, that's very healthy. Wow. Yeah. Talking about sex is part of foreplay. Even if it's days before you're going to do it or whatever, it's part of the foreplay. And it makes everyone clear so they can live into creating the experience that is going to happen in the future. Well, this was definitely what I would consider mild humiliation. Yeah. And so it's possible that she was testing the waters and it's possible that she was going to... Okay, so that's an interesting question. Mild, because we consider it mild. Yeah. For someone else, it's all about context. No, it may it. not be mild. No, so when is it appropriate to ask for consent? Well, I agree with you that beforehand is better, but maybe she didn't know that she was going to go down that road until she That's went no down excuse. that road. That's like a rapist saying, I didn't know I was going to rape you. Well, didn't know that your booze were going to show. And then I had to feel like I had to, you know, because it's all about me. I had to do something yeah. about that. So then I acted. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not yes, trying to make no, them I, too I extremes, but I'm just saying, again, is it good policy? It's mandatory policy. Yeah, Consent no, not, is not a choice. No, it's mandatory. Exactly. No, I, I'm not trying to persuade you that what she did was okay and i'm not I'm trying saying, to make her a bad guy i'm just uh, using her as an illustration yeah, of what saying, happens i'm saying but it's possible in human relationships that somebody does something and then checks on it afterwards and goes okay let's pursue that further well, that's why i'm pointing this out this yeah. is a perfect example this is why i'm pointing this out yeah. and that a lot of times even in the kink world People think, well, that's low key, so it doesn't really need consent. No, again, 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 again. You never know who you're dealing with, especially if it's pickup play, if someone's neurodivergent and they interpret the world differently than you. Yeah. And 
or if you, you trigger them or you trigger them they've had trauma you yeah. never know and yeah. they could have trauma that they don't even know about that gets triggered exactly. by your actions exactly. yeah. so i think it's a safe bet to say we're going out tonight and i may delve into humiliation with you and i might do this you don't have to give it play by play but get consent sure yeah because then the person knows too and remind them and if i cross a line for you use your limit yeah use your safe words yeah exactly those are real conversations i agree no i think you're exactly right on in any event they interact in the theater in a way where her dominance is prevalent you know yes. she grabs yes. she reaches down she grabs his cock she squeezes him hard so there's that sort of masochism part mm-hmm. we've already established that she's sort of a mean girl that she likes to do mm-hmm. mean things so for her hurting him is in her wheelhouse of desire oh yeah that fits right? her but we know that she has a history of being on the other side of the slash and of being the submissive and of being a masochist and being abused by her dominant in a way that appeals to her sexually. Yes. And so when she walks into her house and gets essentially tackled by an invader, a home invader, to discover that it's Nora, who is her landlord, who intends to punish her for whatever it was, being late on the rent or something, leaving Mm -hmm. the house open or something. Can't remember the detail. She's all in. She's like, yeah. Like, slap me, feed me, raisins. And so do you assume they've played before? They have, yeah. Yeah, I think they have, yeah. Yeah. Because they did at the play party. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so they probably could have had already, based on the consent consent already made, because we're inferring on that. And I'm not saying there wasn't with Christina and Aiden either. It was just a great example to point out where consent consent lives and why we get consent. Because people think it's always like, oh, well... It's for the big things like you cutting me or using needle. No, no it's for everything. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's a choice driven experience. Right. Right. Now, what's interesting about the interaction between Nora and Christina is that there's something about raisins that I don't quite understand. Well, she hates raisins. She, hates she raisins. said that before, I she think. Did. Okay. Yeah, earlier. I can't remember. Some place or something. I can't, I I wish I remember, but I think it was like they were at an eating place and there were cookies with raisins or something and she coiled or there was a comment made about something. Something. Okay. So you got it like she doesn't like raisins. No, I knew she didn't like raisins. Yeah, I didn't have that. But anyway, Nora knows that obviously and she's feeding her handfuls of raisins Yeah. and she's requiring her to eat them and she's like... Almost herping. Eating them with like long teeth, right? Yeah. She's she's really struggling to eat them. But what's interesting about this is that it's a it's an example of how to use something benign like a raisin as a form of dominance in a food play setting where somebody doesn't like the thing you make them eat them that's your dominance well, expressing you know, itself. We have interviewed people who talk about who are lifestyle kinksters yeah. and have families. Yes, and so we've asked questions like, how do you? lifestyle with your family little kids kids. right yeah and they used an example like this Mm -hmm. like so-and-so doesn't like their vegetables so it's one of those things where there's a little push pull at the table but it doesn't look like anything else other than mom telling dad to finish his plate right and he's she's doing that with everybody so it doesn't seem out of the ordinary but he is dying he's he's dying right because he can't stand those and he knows also the context so there's also a titillation with that too. right exactly and so yeah. i just think 
it's interesting. You, you know, people think punishment. They always think whips change. Well, they think about they think of play, they right? think of whips change, and they think of you know hot sauce or soap on the right. you know these extremes. And I get it. It doesn't have to be that way. But it could be very simple. Domination yeah. is domination. It's not you're more of a dominant just because you inflict more pain or whatever. It, well, there, it is just dominant. There's dominance and submission, and there's sadomasochism, and this is dominance that lives outside of sadomasochism. Mm -hmm. Now. It's a little bit sadomasochistic because she's a sadistic dom forcing her submissive masochism. I don't think you can take it out of that. I think yeah. you can't just say only someone who's severe is a sadomasochist. Well, not severe, but just you like it doesn't mean? involve impact play. It's a form of dominance without impact play. It's you're going to eat this thing you but don't But it like. is masochistic and it is sadistic. It's sadistic it, yeah. for them to prescribe and it's horror for the person to eat <laughs> she did suffer so the suffering can be in the mouth too right. so the conversation i want to have around this is in the world of switching because yeah. what we're dealing with is christina who's clearly a switch yeah so she's a sadistic bitch dom really she's like mean she's a mean girl dominant mommy girl to aiden mm -hmm. and then she's this submissive masochist to nora and it's a complete switch. And she did that just on the day, right? It, was, it wasn't like you have to get your head around switching. But it made sense. You know what made sense to me on this? As a switch myself. She switched because she's not, she loves the power exchange with Aiden. Hmm. But she's not fully attracted to Aiden. Like it gives her a sexual context to dominate Aiden. Yeah. But she's not turned on by Aiden, right? She's point. made yeah. this point. And she is turned on by women. Yes. Dominant women. Yeah. So Nora fits the bill, right? Yeah. And as a switch, that is a very doable situation to have either an orientation or a kink or fetish specific partner who fills the sexual niche. Yeah. And when you, whether that's on whichever side of the slash, right? Yeah. And on the other side is something that's more of a power dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could be either way. Right now she happens to be dominant as her power dynamic and submissive in her kink. Yeah. It could be the other way around too. It doesn't matter. And the reason I know that is that's how I experience. That's my love interest is my submission. Yes. And my power interest is my dominance. Right. So yeah. see, you can easily switch between those because I'm not torn between my love interests. It's very specific. Like it's a clean line. Like yes. when we say we're coaches, the whole point is you're coaching as up as far to the line as you can without getting personal with the athlete because right. there's a certain level that needs to be kept there in order to get the most potential out of an athlete. Yeah. And you get people that cross the line all the time and they're just naive and they think they get more and then eventually it backfires on them right. because people are too familiar. So it's the same thing in this that I can make the switch very easily because I'm like, mm, okay, yeah. I know where yeah. I'm at now. And I get that because as a, as a dominant, I'm a sensual sadist. Mm -hmm. And as a submissive, I'm a sensual submissive. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yes, you are. And I can switch in and out as well. But it's really based on my relationship with you mm -hmm. as my dominant and as my submissive. Right. So depending on where our energy lies and all of that, we can actually make that switch. Switching is a really interesting thing, right? Because it's really about taking somebody's power as a sexual creature or giving up your power as a sexual creature. Right. And it's really in that power relationship dynamic where you either are taking somebody's power and you're expressing yourself into that space as a dominant, 
or you're surrendering your power and being an effect of the dominance choices. Right. And so that's what's interesting about switching. I think for me, like I didn't equate my interest in switching with sexuality as much as I equated it with seduction. Mm. Right. So like for me, I discovered myself in my submissive nature as being an effect of seduction. Yes. Right. So my access point was interesting. It wasn't like I wanted to be somebody's leather bitch or something. Right. It was, it was a very clear path for me mm-hmm. to be able to switch into submission because my natural occurring is as a dominant. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting watching this because I'm present to that there's a switchiness that occurs in, say, Christina. Yes. That isn't really that far off of her surface. Like she can be one way or the other right away. It's not like she has to live in a place to be there. And that's what I was trying to share with you is yeah. that it can be that fast because of the way she's switching. Mm. And that's what I resonate with me right away. I, do, I immediately picked up on that. I was like, oh, she's totally wants to be a dominant. Yeah. A, and her dominance is all about sadistic and humiliation. She has like certain vents that she likes in her dominance that make her feel powerful. Yeah. Right. But she's not sexually attracted or turned on by Aiden per se. Not that he's unattractive, unattractive but right. she's made it clear she finds dominant women delightful. Yes. And that's where she chooses to be, use her submission. Yes. And so it's just, it's just, I, I totally can get it because if it was attraction to attraction, that becomes more polyamorous. Yes. So that's, so that's why I would say someone might knee jerk and say, well, this is polyamorous. It might be because, you know, they use love as the, as the criteria for yeah, polyamory yeah. and love doesn't mean that you're having sex. It can mean it's all kinds of things. Right. right? Yeah. So she is polyamorous, but she's clear on her sexual attractions versus her power attractions. Yeah, she occurs to me more as an open sexual creature, a non-binary, open sexual, bisexual creature, mm-hmm. than she does as a polyamorous creature. So I, I don't want to put words in either either Mako's, yours, so, or Christina's mouth, but yeah. I mean, like, is she bi? She loves having sex with women. Yes. She doesn't have sex with men. Has no, she? she hasn't had penetrative sex with Aiden, I don't think. Yeah. She's fucked his She's face. She's had him service her. Yes. As a dominant. That's yes. a whole other ball of wax yeah. Yeah, 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 compared yeah. to that. So I would say, you know, she is an interesting sexual creature. And, you know, we've got these boxes, lesbian, gay, right. bisexual, right. all right. these things we try to put people in. It's hard to know whether she truly is bisexual. We'll find out in the book as it plays itself out. But what I think is she's more drawn to the power as part of her sexual expression. And that's with whoever, like she could power. Remember the pigtailed girl in Nora's office? She felt an urging towards her in power. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that's Christina. She's a sexual, she's a, she's actually a true sex explorer. She is. She is, yeah. So we'll we'll recruit her into the sex explorer. Yeah, got to get a hold of her. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's probably good for this chapter. I think that it's interesting, you know, because Littleton is a very sexual town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I laugh because Littleton could be anywhere, and I laugh because it is anywhere. 
It's, I mean, also, we, it's also everywhere. You you can live in one apartment building yeah. and realize that you have no idea what's going on. No, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!